0: fights don't stop and the soc is with you every step of the way it's a state of combat podcast cbs sports your boy the brian campbell step two on ufc's ambitious three fights eight nights jacksonville florida is in the books we got you covered with a recap We got you covered with a preview looking ahead to Saturday's heavyweight tilt at UFC Fight Night Jacksonville 3. We also have a fine interview coming your way with Calvin Cater dropping by fresh off that knockout of Jeremy Stevens last Saturday. Still recovering, by the way. He's going to let us know what it was like to fight in that empty arena, what it was like to keep climbing that ladder and the featherweight division. And we also got some royalty with you today, as always. It's the Hall of Famer. It's the earthquake survivor, the man who brings that heat. It's Sugar Rashad Evans. Rashad, my man, they got you and I working around the clock. You and I working 1 a.m. on CBS Sports HQ last night. It's bright and early. We back, brother.
1: Hey, we back indeed. But listen, being busy has never been a bad thing for me, man. So keep keep it coming back, baby.
0: That's what I'm saying. Look, I said it very early. I said, look... We're, we're clowning Dana White when he's doing whatever he can to make it happen, when he's saying ridiculous things. It's like hiding from cancer. You can't hide from this thing. You can't hide. You can't hide. But then I was like, you know, he may end up being Robin Hood when this is all said and done. Uncle Dana did get us back in the game. So shout out to that. And uh, how'd you like Wednesday night fights, Rashad? Can you get used to that?
1: I can definitely get used to that, man. It it, uh, it delivered, you know. It delivered on so many different levels. You know, it just wasn't all one style of fights. You know, you had you had technical fights, and you had those those ones that had you at the edge of your seat the whole fight. So, good card.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, continue to uh, follow us at State of Combat on Twitter. Five star review season if you like what you hear, and I know you do wherever you can find uh, fine audio, please. Okay, you know that business. Let's get the business out of the way. Let's get into the fight business, the heart business. It was a light heavyweight tilt Wednesday night in the main event, former title challengers, Anthony Smith, Glover Teixeira, meeting really for a chance to kind of take that one step closer, maybe one win away for the winner from getting back at John Jones. Rashad, you and I sort of laid the groundwork coming in that if Anthony Smith could keep his distance, rely on his speed, be the fresher, younger fighter against the 40-year-old Glover Teixeira. He'd have a good opportunity, although the fight very close on paper to do it, for nearly two rounds. Lionheart had a great game plan, but hey, dude, watch out. The old man still got it. Glover Teixeira's power caught up with him. How impressed are you now? Four fights in a row for Glover Teixeira over the past year. That he's actually still in this and still a legitimate threat at 40.
1: I'm very impressed. You know, I understand how hard that can be. You know, in order to train yourself at the level you need to as you get older as an athlete, it gets tremendously difficult because you can't take the shots as you used to when you're a young and up and coming fighter. So you have to modify your training. He's done a great job of making old adjustments and making little adjustments where he's actually adding skills to the game. He's actually getting better and perfecting that already great game. You know, as we've seen, you know, he weathered a storm that you don't typically see a guy that is 40 years old on on what would, what would seem to be the back end of his career. Take that kind of punishment from a younger fighter who's got that spark still in his punches and still has that pressure. And he absorbed those shots and defensively speaking was very responsible, but then came back with some shots of his own. And then you just seen it became a war of attrition midway through that second or third round. And you just seen. Go over to share, start to really pull away, and, and it was it, it was unfortunate for Anthony Smith because he he fought so well, and that's the that's the best I've seen Anthony fight in a long time early out. You know, normally he's a late starter, but he came out on fire. He was really sharp. It just seemed to me that his corner, as it was mentioned in the broadcast, they got a little excited, and and as this unfolds, and this, I mean, these fights without an audience, as the it. Um, holds more, we're going to learn more and more about how these fighters approach being in, in uh, fighting in an empty arena and what these coaches, you know, do as far as communication because you, you do have to adjust your coaching style because when you're around and you have a big arena, you're yelling at the top of your lungs, you know, but when there's not that many people, you got to understand the fact that you got to be able to give direction without putting your fighter into a frantic fighting pace.
0: That's a great point. I thought Daniel Cormier on the broadcast last night really nailed the idea that, uh when you, when your fighter can hear everything you're saying clearly without a crowd you can't just pepper him every single second with instruction with this with that uh this is just the beginning of sort of the armchair quarterbacking we're going to do by the way of smith's corner uh because they let the guy out there to take a beating and smith is it was almost unfortunate that lionheart is that tough rashad because he took a freaking beating um I don't know what else we could say. I mean, the problem, okay, the problem here was this. Glover Teixeira, right at the end of the second round, hurt Smith, kind of figured out the timing, got inside, landed those punches that, that really bothered Smith's eyes and started to slow him down. Basically, from the midway round three, I thought you could have stopped this fight because Teixeira's landing bombs. He's dropping Smith. He's getting on top. There was a problem, though. The problem was Glover. We love him. Great performance. He never quite went for the finish, meaning he never quite mounted up, tried to land 15 unanswered strikes and gave referee Jason Herzog that justifiable excuse, okay, he's had enough. And then you mix that with Anthony Smith, who was just credible enough defensively while taking a beating and showing toughness to not go out, to not be in that that marriage. That combination was really bad for Smith's long-term health because yeah. – Over the next two and a half rounds, I mean, he took the fact that Smith's corner, Rashad, let him go out in that fifth round, when he came back, he's a shell of himself after round four. He's crumbled. His eyes, his face swollen, bloody mess. He tells his corner, my teeth are falling out. And by the way, Ariel Helwani ended up having a text exchange with Smith after. They weren't veneers like was erroneously uh, reported on Twitter. It was real teeth. He had two teeth fall out, and his corner's just like, Breathe deep. You got this. Come on. Let's go. Um, Rashad, we've been in this debate before. Like, somebody's going to have to get really hurt before we step in and, and and change things. I don't know what you can change here other than just looking out for your fighter better because this type of sustained beating, you know, Smith's okay, so to speak, but it may take off three years at the end of his career that we don't even know about yet.
1: Yeah, you know um... – it, it was kind of weird because it seemed like both of those fighters were caught in a conundrum. And by that, I mean, you know, uh, Glover Teixeira had the ability to finish him. But at the same time, he didn't necessarily get the green light and Anthony uh, Smith's um, reaction to, to let him know that Anthony was at that place. And. And for a guy who's pounding and who has gas issues, the last thing you want to do is think that you have a guy out and then go for the kill, but then he finds a way to muster up enough strength to come back and then put you in that position where you just had him. And Anthony Smith gave him signs of that because whenever Glover DeShera did get up or give him some space, he did uh, hit with the pop, but he still had his legs underneath him. So whenever fighters still hitting like they have pop, you have to always proceed with caution because if you don't, then that's when you get caught and only fools rush in and you don't want to get caught like that. So he had to be responsible in that, in that respect. But at the same time, you know, the corner instruction, you know, you want to give your guys good, good instruction. You want your guy to go out there and push himself and bring something out of himself that he does not know he have. But at the same time, you have to be able to look at your corner, uh, look at your guy and say, is this fight a winnable fight? is this fight something that is going to mentally scar him, you know, and I talk about it all all the time. You know, a lot of fighters, you know, they have a little bit of PTSD because of situations like this, where they get traumatized in the cage. And this is one of those situations where Anthony has been traumatized and this is going to stick with him for a long time. Because when you take a beating like this over a long period of time, for some reason in your mind, only thing you remember is just that beating. You know what I'm saying? And you remember that feeling. So when it comes time for you to step on the line to go and compete again, you have all these red lights and, and all these stop and goes and all these apprehension in your technique just because you're remembering what, what happened before when you are in a cage.
0: Yeah, and look, the sport of boxing uh, has a much deeper, brutal backstory of – of deaths, of straight-up deaths in the ring where guys take too much of a beating. And I think because of that, you've seen over the last 10, 20, 30 years a great change in how referees, corners, uh, ringside doctors stop fights. Boxing fights sometimes get stopped too early because – you get that sustained head trauma over and over. Obviously, if you're in a fight that you're losing, it, it's it's just not worth it to try to set up some you know, uh, great rally, home run, grand slam in the last inning situation. So you see a lot of boxing fights stop because of those deaths in the ring. And MMA, in a good sense, there's never been this great tragedy. So there's more – it seems like there's more of a – I don't know. There's more of a like – Let's give the guy a chance. This is a moral victory if we go the distance. There's too much of that tough guy stuff. Because I tend to fall on the side of like caution in this debate. Yet even yeah. last night, going on social media, there's always tough guys on social media, meaning fans, uh, pundits that I follow who aren't fighters, but they're like the old school just bleed mentality. Even those guys are like, why the hell is this guy coming out for round five? Now I want to ask you this. I don't know much about Smith's trainer. Is it, is it Montoya's head guy? Yeah, is this the same guy who last year left that guy Thomas Gifford to hang out to dry in the cage and keep getting battered when he was getting knocked down? And is this the same trainer who sent Rocky Pennington back out for round five against Amanda Nunes when she asked out of the fight after round four? Because if mm. it is, this is a bad track record.
1: Yeah, it is. You know, I, I think I think if that if that is the case, you know. Um, I think I think what it comes down to when you're when you're coaching these guys and, and these guys want to have their fighters and they want to push them to the to the limit, you know, um they they're not looking at anything past this moment, you know, and they know that, you know, going into the fight how bad their fighter wanted it. And, you know, they, they want to push that for them because they know the disappointment that their fighter gonna feel if they don't push through it. But at the same time, um as a trainer, you gotta understand that, you know, when you put your fighter in a fight and they're overmatched that the apprehension that they learn in that fight or they receive in a fight it sticks with them and my case in point is David Loazzo David Loazzo when he fought Rich Franklin before he fought Rich Franklin he was an absolute terror but that fight in that fight he took a beating a one-sided beating for a long period of time and then at, never after that he never mentally was the same you know it just became harder for him to fight and it's the trauma that does it, you know? So hopefully Anthony does not experience that. I mean, he already has going into this, like, you know, he was 17, 18 losses. So th- those are the kind of, you know, it starts to add into that pile and uh, it knocks your confidence down as a, as a fighter.
0: Yeah, that's a tough stretch for Smith when you consider he's only 31, but he was just figuring out how good he can be. Yet he's got almost 50 pro fights. I mean, there's a, you know, there's mileage on there. He just went through, you know, surgeries on his broken hand, sat out 10 months, and then the home invasion. I mean, that's a rough stretch. I, I guess I can understand the theory of his, of his team going, this is such an important fight where he, he's either going up right back into the title picture or he's going to the back of the line. But when you look at what he texted back to ESPN's Ariel Hawani, this is Anthony Smith, about the injuries suffered broken nose, broken orbital bone, two missing teeth. Bad cut under his right eye, as you saw uh, on the video, like an absolutely brutally swollen face. Yeah. You just wonder how much of that. Well, I mean, have been prevented
1: man. Because, well, as a coach, another thing as a coach, like in, in MMA, we see it all the time. Like guys pull out victories on the jaws of defeat, like on the clinch, like on the edge of defeat. They always pull it out. And in MMA, it happens more in boxing because of the fact that we wear, you know, you know, smaller gloves and stuff, and we can hit with more uh points of attack. So you do have those moments and you and we have seen guys on the brink of disaster to come back and win that. So you hoping that's going to be your guy, but at the same time when 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 your guy is giving no signs that internally he has that in him or he doesn't even believe that's going to happen, then that's when you got to be like, "All right, ref, he's seen enough." And I think Anthony was giving him that signs because he kept uh looking down at the ground. You know, he was just dejected and if i'm fighting that guy and that's another thing like if i'm fighting him and i'm going over to share and i'm reading his body language i know that i have him and at that point i can just take my time deciding on how much i'm going to let him uh breathe or not
0: yeah this is mark montoya the coach of uh what is that factory x is that the name of the team yeah yeah tough tough stretch right there to go out on your shield like that but uh Glover Teixeira finally dropped Anthony Smith easily in round five, by the way, took him down again later, and then finally just sat on his chest and un- unloaded that barrage that got him out of there. But uh, let's talk about Glover one more time here. Uh, you'd have to believe he's, you know, one more big win away in a suddenly somewhat interesting light heavyweight title picture. John Jones at the top. Dom Reyes coming off that very close performance. You could argue he deserves a rematch. Then you got Jan Blahowitz. Then you got Mahetta, Tiago Santos, coming back soon. You heard Teixeira in the cage, Rashad. And you're a guy who's rebuilt your body at 40 and, and really seemed to, to, to learn some things along the way. He says he was young and dumb in 2014 when he fought Jon Jones, but it was going to the UFC's PI. It was asking the right questions, figuring out what he was doing wrong in terms of overtraining and figuring out how to eat. You saw his body in there. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily a wonderland, but for, he was looking really trim and, and ready. Um, how important is that wisdom, man? That you sometimes only get at the back end of your career. How much can that be the fountain
1: of youth? It's very important, especially for you know Glover to share. You know, who's. Been fighting since it was called NHB, No Holds Bar. So that's a different kind of mindset altogether. The way that we train, the way that we took care of our body. Now, i'm graduating to the more professional scale of things, where everything is measured, everything is calculated, and everything is 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 peaked for a specific time. So it's all about calculations. And and when you're an older fighter, you have to understand how to get the most out of your body without taking the most out of your body. And I think that's what Glover Teixeira has figured out. And the, what i what i when I talked to him um you know he told me that you know his biggest thing is that he does a lot of uh drill sparring you know a lot of control sparring where he's taking the ego out of training and and a lot of younger guys who who's yet to prove himself they have a hard time taking the ego out of training, so you see You see guys go out there and they spar every single day and and they do all those, you know, it's like those guys who go to the gym and they bench press every day just so they can say, I got a good bench. You know, that's what the young fighters are like. But when you get older, you realize there's the technical side that actually means more than just a brute force and beating each other up, you know, because you're going to get tough. If you want to fight, you're going to endure it. And uh, Glover's now use all that masterful wisdom to know exactly what he needs to do right now.
0: It's interesting. I wanted to count him out in this fight and say, okay, you know, nice little comeback here at 40, but Smith is the guy moving up. But man, when you have that experience that Glover had, you still got the fight ending power at any point, but then you work in the patience, the timing. He's tough. We can't count him out, man. You know, I, you know, I look on paper. I'm like, what if he fought blow I'm like, not only would that be fire, but, yeah, I could see him winning that. What if he fought an uncertain Maheta coming off an injury? He's a game fighter for all of these. I don't know if he's going to have the chance to, to fight or beat a John Jones or Dom Reyes, but you keep winning at this level, Rashad. Eventually, you end up with that opportunity. So, shout out to our guy. I mean, I, I like also the pre-fight packages, which really showcase how he got into this game as, like, a sparring partner for Chuck Liddell back yeah. in the light heavyweight prime and to see how much that apprenticeship prepared him Glover's Clo- got a good story, man. Good
1: story. He's got a great story. He's got a great story. I mean, he, he, he can take a lot of shots and even though early out, Anthony was uh, stinging him. you know, he didn't, he didn't get froze too long when, when, when he got hit with those shots, you know, by that. I mean, sometimes when guys are, are um, on a later half in their career and they get stung with some shots, they take a little frankenstein step before they able actually to able to recover and you don't see him do that you know so that means that he still has a good wherewithal and balance after he takes big shots and that's huge for being a light heavyweight and being how old he is at this point in his career
0: and speaking of tiago santos can't wait to see him come back so we can hear the maheta theme song again richard all right! Shout out to Glover to share Anthony Smith. Uh, we're gonna take a quick pause for the cause and be right back on the other end. More breakdowns of UFC Jacksonville two. A look ahead to this weekend and also a chat with Calvin Cater. Be right back around the corner in two and two. And we're back. BC Sugar Rashad, Calvin Cater to come. Uh, Rashad, we got to see referee no-nonsense Keith Peterson back in the house since Dominic Cruz uh, unnecessarily seemed to call him out and and, uh, tell us what he smelt like. It's a simple concept. Bitches and cigarettes. Everybody's happy. I think think if you smell like that, you're pretty happy. But um, that reminded me, by the way, I don't know if you remember this. Remember that? Boxer, The feather former featherweight champion Juan Manuel Lopez, remember Juan Ma yeah. from Puerto Rico, a slugger? He had those two wars with Orlando Salido in which Juan Ma was the big favorite. He goes in there against the Mexican Warrior. He gets stopped both times on Showtime. But you remember the post-fight interview after Juanma got knocked out? And, he, you know, you probably shouldn't interview interviewed a guy who just got knocked out. And this is what he said.
2: That, now he's basically saying that the referee stopped the fight because, they, you know, they have gambling problems. That...
1: And he told the commission that uh, the referee was a gambler.
0: That was one of the wilder moments <laughs> ever. I talked to that uh, translator, by the way, Felix Jesus from Showtime. He was like, yeah, I didn't even know if I should say that out loud. I know we covered this already, but Dom, um, Cruz, come on, stop that crap, man. Let this guy live, all right? Let this guy work. Seriously. <laughs> what you there? All right. Uh, Rashad, also on this night, uh, we have a heavyweight co event. Hey, I make fun of him sometimes. I underestimate his craft every yeah. time, it seems. But Big Ben Rothwell did what he had to do to get the decision against a, an OSP who was experimenting with the idea of moving up to heavyweight. And, by the way, at 240 pounds, he did sort of look rock solid. Gas tank, however, didn't seem to be there. Uh, what are we going to do with Ben Rothwell? Because every time you want to call him out, he, he'll show you that he's quicker than you think. The, the, the submission craft is always there. Now he's calling out Alexio Olenek. That's yeah, kind of a good fight moving forward. Pretty good win overall for Big Ben.
1: It was a good win for Big Ben. I think that with Big Ben, you know, he needs to do more fights like this. And these are the kind of fights that he can build his confidence off of. You know, Big Ben. He's he's a he's a uh, a bit goofy, but at the same time, he's very dangerous. You know what I'm saying? He's very dangerous, and he's sneaky good. He's sneaky good with the wealth of knowledge and experience that you kind of overlook because he's kind of goofy. You know, and, and I hate to say it, but it's true. You kind of like, yeah, I'm not losing to this goofy dude, but he's he's got he's got that 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 skill level, and he's got that wealth of knowledge behind him. And, um, you know, he can crack too. You know, he's, he's a legit contender, a uh, well-rounded fighter, and he needs more fights like this in order to start building that confidence. And I think once you see him have more fights like this on his level and performing the way that, he ha- that we've seen him last night, then we're going to start to see Ben Rothwell become what, he, what I think that, he, uh, that that he can be, you know, which is a legit contender in this division.
0: Now, look, uh, OSP landed some big shots late to at least force this to a split decision on the cards. But let, let's talk about something here, because if you're a layman, and you know nothing about fighting. And by the way, uh, I'm not getting in there against anyone taking punches. So I'm not, you know, any criticism from me goes on deaf ears. But if you're watching that as a layman, you're going, why is OSP running away from him when he's probably the bigger striker? Um, is there any justification for the way OSP fought? Because the whole time you you just want to yell at the screen, stand in there and trade with him. But it's obviously easier said than done.
1: Well, it seemed, it seemed to me like uh, OSP, you know, instead of um, bringing the action to heavyweight, he took some of his lazy uh, habits to heavyweight division. You know, sometimes in, in light heavy division, he has that, that standing around thing that he does. And he's able to get away with it because of the fact that he's a bigger guy and guys have to come into him. And then that's when he's able to use that, that uh, athletic ability, that skill that he has and that fast quick uh, twitch to catch people like he, like we've seen with Shogun. So that's when he's been able to use it at light heavyweight, but at heavyweight, he has to change things up a little bit because now he's the guy who's a faster guy. So now he has to pursue the of action. And I think later in the fight when he was realizing that things weren't probably going to go his way. And we seen that last, uh, that flurry at the end, he could have been doing that the whole fight. And that's what I, that's what I was at the screen. I'm like, bro, you had it the whole fight. That was your advantage. And now you're starting to see it, but now it's too late, you know? And I think, I don't think it was, I think it was a fail in the fact that he didn't feel as confident as he needed to being in there. But I don't think that being at headweight for him is a fail. I just think that he needs to just, change his mind about his approach to the fight game
0: yeah you'd like to see more aggression there you'd like but look you know ben rothwell's sneaky counter shots you know Ah. causing that clinch the knees i mean he was able to give him pause for sure Uh, i think the other giant standout on this card rashad was drew dober at lightweight coming in on a two fight knockout streak but this was a tough matchup on paper against Alexander Hernandez and I was a believer I still am in Hernandez he's a he's got there's a lot to work with there in terms of a potential title contender but Drew Dober is what's right now because his southpaw boxing the quickness the confidence getting the second round stoppage against a very game Hernandez uh in a division this crowded, like 155, right? You're still going to be four, or five solid wins from really getting to that top. But what did this tell you about Drew Do- Dober's evolution?
1: It, it showed that it showed me that he's for real. You know, Drew Dober is a real deal. I think in this fight he showed um, his skill level. You know, I, and that's and that's one thing that surprised me. Like I knew he was good, but what I seen uh, last night was was masterful. And you know, and and that's when. I was realizing that this kid can be something, something special. You know, he, He's a great-looking kid, has a great body, and um, you know, has a great style as well, too. So you know, big things that come from him if he can just continue to grow in his projection. And it doesn't seem like there's going to be anything that's going to derail this motion because he believes in himself like no other right now. Yeah, he's
0: calling out uh, – not calling out negatively, but just saying, look, I'm ready for the the rated guys, the higher-end guys. Paul Felder was a name he dropped out there. They they brought it back to the announce table. big <laughs> red Paul Felder's like, yeah, I don't want to do business on the air, but I kind of like this fight. That would be a very interesting tilt. Uh, Shout-out to Ricky Simone here, the Bantamweight Rashad. I don't know how well you are uh, – are studied on biblical history, but Samson and Delilah, when they cut off Samson's hair, he lost his power. Right. Did Ricky Simone cut off the mullet, and he looked damn good. Now, Ray Borg fought his heart out, rising up in weight from flyweight, had trouble making weight. Turned out to be a fun fight, but Ricky Simone did what he had to do to end a two-fight losing skid, gets a split decision, and a fight that seemed a little bit more uh, wider in his way. When you look at it, what I loved, overshot. Was the story afterwards. Why'd you cut your hair? Because I've been on the couch too long. My wife hates it, and I want to start a family now. He basically told America, I'm not getting it done in there until I, you know, we all been there. Sometimes the ladies are like, get rid of that goatee. It looks like <laughs> you. And you try to stand firm for a while. But, you know, you know the score at the end of the day, Rashad, okay? You know how that math equation works, right?
1: Uh, hey, you know, hats off to him for giving uh, giving into that 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 kind of pressure, because that's the kind of pressure you need to give into the, the marital pressure, you know. So uh, that, that's that's good on that respect. I, I think that Ricky Simone is really finding himself, you know, and he's always had that ability to wrestle. But I think now he's making it more meaningful. And by that, I mean, he's using more ground and power, you know, he's using more control. You know, it's one thing to be able to take a guy down, but you know be able to land some shots as well he's getting better at that even though we did um, we didn't see him control as much as uh, he's going to need to in order to be a true force in the weight class we've seen him with the ability to do wash and repeat which is a very important process if you're going to be a dominant fighter in this weight class you know wash and repeat how many times can you take a guy down with him fighting and getting back up you know because that's a harder that's a true testament to your to your wrestling prowess if you can keep on doing something like that the Kamaru Usman style you know uh Kobe, Kobe Covington style that's the kind of thing that uh he should try to look forward to uh, implement in his style but I think that you know with with his growth and continued uh success I think this kid can do something this way class this kid by the way he beat uh my godson in the in the contender series to get on uh to get in the UFC so uh hats off to him
0: that's off to him. Maybe, maybe your family's got a receipt coming for him. All right? Okay? All right. I'm always, hey, I'm always looking out for him. I'm always trying to run always, back. Always. Like, always running back. <laughs> all, right, all right? All right, Glover, Teixeira, we're coming for you. Keep uh, going. Also, shout out to, the, to the, uh, the veteran, 41-year-old Andre Oloski. Rashad, I tried to count him out again. I'm always – I feel like we're trying to count this guy out for I about know. 10 years. But Philippe Linz came in off that PFL heavyweight championship uh, win in their tournament Landed the big shots early, seemed to hurt Arlovsky. You're like, I know how this fight is going to end. Only it didn't. And I thought Linz gassed just enough to allow Arlovsky to be busy when it mattered most in that third round to really put the stamp on a a a solid decision win. I mean, where's Arlovsky going here? You know, he's still in the in the midst of that. He's not done yet. But shout out to Andre Orlovsky, He's not done yet, bro.
1: No, he is not done yet by far. And... And it's surprising too because he he surprised me in the areas where I thought he was gonna have trouble in this fight. You know, I thought that he was gonna have a hard time taking those big shots from a younger, fresher fighter, as he's shown you know shown in the past. You know, when 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 you're an older fighter, and I was saying with Tashera, you know, you know, sometimes when older fighters get hit with shots, you see them kind of stick for a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Have that little that 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 stick, like their their days for a second. But you didn't see that. With, with, with Alistair you know he, he was able to take a shot and still be able to stay in motion without giving too much of a tell and then fire back you know um, Andre's a master Andre's a master I remember training with him back in Chicago you know training with this guy when he had cancer you know his hair was falling out and, and he kind of kept it on, uh, on the secret but he was training hard and hard every wow. single day and uh, that let me know the mindset that this guy has you know winning to him is something different. And uh, he's getting back to that. And that it's good to see because I think that, you know, who knows? I, I don't think he can be uh, a champion, but at the same time, fighting the way he's fighting right now, it's all about, having fun in there and it looks like that's what he's doing
0: yeah he's been in the octagon something like 30 or you know in the mid-20s in terms of appearances i mean it's piling up he's he's active he's always healthy and he'll he'll give you these in between wins when you count him out um there's ended up being some att on att crime with uh brazilian shrek conan in one corner and uh mikey brown in the other rashad we know you famously had the the storyline of you and John Jones in the same camp, but then splitting. But have you ever had to fight a teammate before? Is that awkward when the coaches sort of take sides and then, you know?
1: It's, it, it, that is very awkward. And I don't understand how uh, ATT does, does that. They do that uh, better than anybody else that I've seen, you know, but um, it's a weird thing, you know, because when you're in the same camp with somebody at some point, there's going to be some kind of cross pollination with someone that you train with, training with somebody that you're fighting and someone saying something. So it's going to be, you're going to know what's going on in the other guys camp. So it's just amazing to me uh, that they're able to pull it off, like how they do it. And uh, it seems to, to work for them. I, I, I don't know it is uh you're by the way that the, the the drama that you and john jones had that
0: was like kobe shack like that was like it you was, know nobody's gotta go looking back on that i mean that was very very marketable and sellable i know we've been up and down the road on that story but uh those right you know that's a big part of john jones's history right no you know, it's it, big brotherhood
1: yeah that, that definitely was it definitely uh introduced them to the world in a different kind of way
0: absolutely uh look tiago moises uh getting a submission heel hook on michael johnson the lightweight uh this was you know one of your highlights of the night because that tap was quick uh what does that feel like rashad when you're in a fight and then suddenly uh (laughs) you tap that quickly i mean we're talking major league pain right
1: well, I mean, it, it has to feel way worse for Michael Johnson. You know, typically speaking, I'll, that'll suck for anybody. But for Michael Johnson and the run that he's been on uh, lately, it's just been uh, a run of bad luck, you know. And, you know, he's he's been in fights and he's just been losing by the smallest margins. And you can go back and look at his last few fights and you can just see it's just a little lapse in concentration costing him the most in almost every single one of his last few performances that he's lost you know and it's just like man it's it's if he would have won those fights he would have been one of those guys that we're talking about in the conversation and when you're talking about guys in the conversation who should be in the conversation you're talking about a guy like Michael Johnson who's got wins over Tony Ferguson who's you know who stung Habib and who's been in there with Justin Gaethje and had one of the greatest fights he beat Dustin Poirier you know this this guy Michael Johnson is is one of the the missing elites that should be up in that the up echelon, that that, um, that weight class, but he's struggling right now. And it, it's, it's sad for me to see because I know the passion that he has inside and I know how much he gives for each and every single one of his camps. And uh, it, it's just heartbreaking. But it shout
0: reminds out. me of... Remember how sometimes in the NBA, I remember in the early 2000s, like the Western Conference would be so stacked with teams. The East would be so barren that like a crappy team like like my team, the 0-2 Celtics with Antoine Walker and Paul Pierce, that team sucked. Yet yeah. they shot 53s a game and suddenly they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you look at the West, you'd be like, oh man, look at that seventh seed. If they were in the East, they'd be a player. If Michael Johnson had a different schedule or was a different time in, in history, he'd be a player and a title contender, but – Somebody has to lose when you keep matching the best of the best. And he's, you know, it seems like he's piled up losses. Yet when you really look at that resume, it's like, oh, yeah, he lost to Habib when he rocked him. Oh, yeah, he lost to this guy when he was in that fight. Oh, yeah, the Justin Gaethje fight of the year that time. He had, you know, Gaethje looking like he was ready to go. I mean, somebody's got to lose, Rashad.
1: But somebody has to lose, but not for nothing, though. Like, I don't agree with, with with how he's being matched up. Straight up. I, I think that the way that his team is matching him up, it's about, um, they're, they're, it looks like they're letting him pick the fights after he just lost. You know what I'm saying? Where he's like, yeah, I'll fight him. But, he's, but it's not about what's the best for his style. I think that Michael Johnson is always, you know, Michael's always struggled against the grapplers who can grapple at that level. So let, let's get him until he gets his confidence back. Let's get him with somebody who's going to stand in the center and burn it out with him. So, you know what I'm saying? To get him back feeling himself again and then we start putting him against the matchup with guys you know w- with the grappling and stuff like that the ones he struggled with but i, I think that you know I-, I don't think that his team is doing him a-, a service because they keep um you know going into where his weak spot is with these matchups that they're selecting for him
0: yeah absolutely and shout out to uh brian boom kelleher moving up to uh featherweight last night getting a big victory knocking out hunter Azur. um they keep burying kill her on the undercards here but he's he's on a nice little run all right Rashad, we're gonna throw it to calvin cater the rising featherweight joe rogan calls him the dark horse of the division and after that knockout of a well tant jeremy stevens over the weekend uh we're gonna hear about uh what Cal- what uh cater's future plans might be we'll throw to that good old boston uh I know he doesn't call himself the Boston Strangler. What does he call himself? Something something related to Boston, all right? Yeah, he's wicked awesome. It's Calvin Cater coming at you. Enjoy. I
2: feel uh, feel great, man. A little, little beat up, but beat up with a win. Uh, I'd rather be beat up with a win than uh, healthy with a loss, you know? Absolutely,
0: man. Congratulations on, on such an exciting victory, uh, which, uh, you know, I respect the price you pay to get it, but uh, how good does it feel, man, Appreciate to get a that. highlight Real win after such a crazy build-up to get there.
2: Yeah, it's nothing like it. You, you, I think, and throughout that camp, I was really able to just focus all my like energy towards you know the mental preparation. I felt like there's a lot of a lot of chaos going on, and to be able to try to dial in, it was a good opportunity to do that. You know, all things considered, and it was a nice. All that focus was a nice distraction from what's really kind of going on. Um, and, and now that uh, I'm on the other side, I just can't wait to get back to work and, and you know keep pushing, keep pushing forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge win, man. You come off that lost as a beat, but one in which you look really good. And then to package that up with stopping and always game Jeremy Stevens and a guy who look when he missed weight, you know, fight history. Guys that tend to miss weight end up being more dangerous. I don't know if that's because they, they don't have to cut or they're they're angry about giving up the purse. But that first round on Saturday against Jeremy Stevens, man, he made it hell in there and you were able to really stay above water. How tough was that open for you?
2: Yeah, I just, I was just, you know, calculating, doing some, uh, just building up some data, you know, from when he was giving me that first round. And then, um, uh, I felt like I was able to, he definitely edged me on the first, but by the second, I was able to sit down, find my combinations a little bit better, um, uh, tighten up those gaps, and, and then I was able to capitalize for a big shot. So I wonder, you know, if, if it had gone in the deeper waters, would it be, would he been able to, you know, keep that first round pace, but, did have to find out after the second, I you know, landed a big shot. Uh,
0: he had a uh, he had a great tan, so shout out to Jeremy Stevens on that. But uh, <laughs> he, you know, he's always a, a knockout threat in there. Uh, when he loses, it seems to be to very good competition. Was that a strike? The one that you finished him with that right uh, elbow? Was that something you had thought of coming in, or is it, you know, how do how do you how does that come into your mind at that moment? Because it seemed like such a sneaky and dangerous strike to land.
2: Yeah, definitely. We were working it the last five months with uh my time holder Jake Manini. Uh we've been working elbows, knees, kicks, long range weapons and then um also with Bazooka Joe and Canada, you know, he was helping me out. We went out there, visited him, got some uh, insight from him but I uh, got a lot of good feedback and then me and Jake just getting to work every week, um, you know, landing landing big elbow shots followed by knees and this way, when it came out come fight night, uh, it, it just happened kind of smooth, you know. But, yeah, we were practicing at all camp, especially because Jeremy's a tough guy. You know, like you said, I don't know how many guys have finished him with, a, with a, a punch to the chin. You know, if you're going to put Jeremy out, I think you've got to do it with an elbow or a knee or something of the body.
0: Yeah, no question about that. Uh, we saw your reaction after the fight. Uh, you mentioned you were upset at first when he missed weight. Did you have any thought of not going through with that fight after, you know, I mean, this is not a normal fight. You, 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 the, at that point, did you have any thought about not going forward?
2: See, I think that's the difference. Like, I, I had, I, I was never looking for ways out all, all uh, you know, five months found ways to dig deeper. I, I, I wasn't looking for a way out. I was looking for you know a way to keep it and I felt like when Jeremy missed weight that was uh you know, I just had to give him a reason to quit, come fight night. But uh I felt like the work already been done and the last thing I'm gonna do is let it slip, you know, through especially made it to the end of the race, man. I'm ready to cross that finish line. But yeah, definitely unprofessional, especially where he was the first one kinda of getting on the scale. That that bothered me more than you know, most of the things. But at the end of the day, you know, we had a great fight, and then he uh, came up, shook my hand after, so uh, all good there. Great fight, and good luck to whatever his next move is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: what does this say about your uh, where you belong in these featherweight rankings now that you've got this stretch in which, uh, you know, your UFC run, what are you, 6-2, something like that, and and you've beaten some names here? Uh, what does this win do for
2: you? you know, I just hope it puts me up there with the other contenders. And let's fight it out to see who gets these uh, title shots. You know, I think uh, I think that at least puts me in the mix in the name of guys competing to, to get that opportunity.
0: How different are you from from the guy who debuted with UFC in 2017? How much specifically in what ways have you evolved?
2: Oh, man, it would be a long night for that guy. We spread <laughs> off right now. <laughs> I'm improving a lot. Um And I feel like I'm still just scratching the surface. These last five months I was really able to dial in, but I'm learning, uh, I'm learning more now than I have my whole career and it's, it's, uh, I really feel like I'm starting to, um, you know, find my groove.
0: Absolutely. It's great to see a big time win. Uh, Let's talk about the card and the experience. Uh, You know, we sort of it's there's so many unprecedented elements about, you know, this pandemic and the quarantine life. And I'm sure your training camp was was not the normal like, but arriving in Jacksonville, uh, getting tested. How much did that sort of like weigh on you compared to normal in terms of that mindset coming in?
2: yeah it it only weighs on you if you let it i just i, I acknowledge it and, and moved on from it just everything about it you know it was just little checkpoints all throughout the weekend first it was a testing, then it was getting in that first sweat, you know, trying to shake things out then it, it just just constantly like i, I usually say i mean' just trying to be in that moment uh each day, and then when fight came uh, fight day came, it was just a day. Now it's over. Now my main focus is recovery and, and just staying dialed into the moment, man, and not being distracted by things that are out of your control. And and I was able to work that a lot, not only fight week for the last five months, I really feel dialed in now, and I want to ride that momentum into the next one.
0: What is a more uh, difficult moment to get through, eating a right hand from Jeremy Stevens or having a foot-long uh q uh, Q-tip placed through your nose to swab your brain for the COVID test.
2: <laughs> well, if you are in a, a right elbow, a big right elbow, when you're eating the right hand, uh, you don't feel so bad about it. But <laughs> like I told, like I told the other guys, uh, I trade a rook for a queen any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Uh, there was a lot of unique elements inside the arena in the fact that there's no fans, which, you know, we'd seen a couple months back in Brazil, but I feel like this time it was even more apparent that you guys were going to be able to hear the announce team and potentially use that information. How clearly could you hear the words coming out from, from the likes of Daniel Cormier while you're in the midst of focusing on the fight? Yeah,
2: that was pretty funny having someone come and take a fight. Like uh, Rob Font in the gym was talking shit, uh, getting the whole gym like, hyped, even in the big show. And he's like, "Oh, are you gonna take that? Are you gonna take that?" I pretty much what Cormier and them were doing, uh, and it was pretty funny the way it played out. But it was more so when you were over by their corner. Other than that, I, I was really trying to listen to my coaches and uh, my corners.
0: Could you hear the coaches uh, easier than in a normal fight?
2: Yeah, definitely. It was it was a little bit. Everything was a little bit more calm. Um, aside from obviously the hyped up pressure but internal pressure you know want to perform and um uh yeah with the way it all played out um you know i love like i said i like to learn off wins and i feel like I, I was able to take some some uh good positives away from it and also some things i want to work on for the next one
0: yeah absolutely would you be into uh another empty arena match is that was that experience something that uh <laughs> that affected you at all Listen, in terms of man.
2: Any, as long as it's in a cage, I don't care where we go, what we do. Uh, <laughs> anything more than that just adds to the story and the memory.
0: Well, speaking of stories, I wanted to ask you for a story here. Whereas you debuted with the UFC in 2017, but you've been fighting professionally going back to 2007 when you were 19 And I look up and down your resume, man, you fought for elite XC back in 2008. I'm not sure people realize that you fought on a Kimbo slice card when he fought James Thompson in Newark, New Jersey. You got any good stories or memories from that day?
2: Man, I just got done training with the Diaz Bros out there in Cali for like a week. Blew my mind. They were just next level at that time. And, And, you know. I uh, came back and I just uh, I had to start keeping training up at that level. I was exposed to it, you know, going to visit him. But on the on the way back, a week for Friday, got strapped, kind of made some beginner mistakes in the in the cage, and uh, I paid for it. But set the tone for training camps moving forward. And uh, yeah, it was pretty wild being on a Kibble Slice undercard. Yeah, that that
0: is that is good stuff right there. Uh, how soon do you think you can get back in? What it, why, it's such an uncertain future, but you know, Dana White has said. They're going to put off three cards in eight nights this, this week in Jacksonville. Business ap- appears like it could be back to normal uh, right now, starting every weekend. So what's your future looking like?
2: I definitely want to stay busy. Uh, my plan was 2020 to go 3-0, and uh, that's my goal And right now. Good checkpoint, but you know, looking to finish the year strong, ride this momentum, and uh, hopefully take something soon, and then followed by uh, maybe another one. When uh, my teammate Rob Font's getting healthy, maybe by the end of the year would be nice.
0: Uh, Dana announced that it looks like a featherweight title rematch is coming between Holloway and Volkanovski. You have any thoughts on how that may play out?
2: No, just that'll be a good scrap. It's uh, always great when you get a chance to, you know, uh, watch some some top-notch fights and get some good feedback on what their all their styles are. You know, right now. All these guys are potential opponents, and, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy some studying and watch them compete. They had a, hell of a fight last time. I look forward to the next one.
0: A uh, big storyline that came out of this card, which you were part of, you you were one of the stars of the night, was uh, Henry Cejudo, after he finishes Dominic Cruz, announces retirement. That catches us all off guard in the media. But then you see people like John Jones tweeting like, hey, wake up, people. This is a contract thing. What was your thoughts on, on him making that announcement?
2: Man, who knows? Who knows? I, 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 that's like uh, his his uh, his rants are almost up there with Tony Ferguson. You just kind of you know you take them for what they are, and, and it's a persona, man. It's it's just who they are but you got to love it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, anybody who can turn it up a notch and create a character or just, you know, be able to market themselves beyond just fighting. Uh, I have a lot of respect for wherever Henry decides to go, whether this is real or not. Uh, how about the Calvin cater brand? Pretty, pretty strong right now. How, how's your trash talk game? I don't remember seeing you in anything too heated or
2: crazy. Yeah, no, I try to keep even keel, man. Uh, I mean, unless they want a problem, <laughs> if they want one, they can ask for it. But other than that, I kind of stick to myself and uh, just try to stay working in the gym. And I'm on my, like, Tom Brady, uh, shit, you know, just real quiet, socially awkward. I am maybe know. That's what I was saying. You know, just a little misunderstood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan did call you heading into this fight on his podcast the dark horse of the division. I, I think the world saw that on Saturday night. Uh, any a- any comments? Any anything to say to your to your fans, to the admirers out there about what the next year is going to look like in
1: your career?
2: Well, I, I see myself, like I said, just getting started. We're not done yet. Keep that Bill Belichick mindset and just keep working hard for hopefully another big moment opportunity and just keep trying to capitalize, put these together. Let's get some streaks going and, and uh, just earn ourselves some more high pressure situations, man. I'm I'm excited to be at the competing at the highest level with the top contenders in the room.
0: I love it. Thanks so much for your time, man. Best of luck. Get some rest, clear that head. Big things to come. Really appreciate it.
2: Hey, thank you very much, man.
0: All right, special thanks to uh, CK there, Calvin Cater. Rochelle. I'm always asking myself, you know, I don't talk to fighters a lot after they win. It's always preparing for the fight, right? You're, you're in the promotion of the fight. Right. Now I kind of understand. I felt bad. Calvin Cater was a good sport and a great I- interview, but you could hear the pain in his voice a couple days removed. It's a big win, but you got to pour some out of that jug to get those wins, man. Uh, do you, have you historically done interviews like right after a really tough win?
1: yeah um it, I have you know it, it's uh it, it's it's a process you because know, you you're still you're so raw you're still going through a lot of uh lot of thoughts and emotions you know
0: I know that after I'll like you know have a long day mowing the lawn uh i I suffer me to get out of a chair at the end of the day I can't imagine being in like a five round fight or something and then two days later you know the, you're trying to like stand up and, and and live your life uh you guys you guys are are guys are warriors. All right, Rashad? Freaking
1: warriors. You know, the hardest part is just getting on the plane and flying home the next day. That's the hardest part. You know, when your legs are all beaten up and they're all bruised up sitting in a plane for five hours, that's that's brutal. Absolutely.
0: All right, let's get into – oh, first of all, shout out to uh, Habib Nurmagomedov's father who is uh, reportedly in a coma here in, in Dagestan. Uh, with an illness that uh, I believe they were they were reporting it as a severe pneumonia, not necessarily covid but it 's gotten worse uh, you 've seen a statement put out by Dana White and UFC uh, Wow, Rashad, we know the importance that this man has had as a mentor and trainer for Habib and a lot of other fighters in that you know Dagestan wrestling. Um, system there. Uh our our thoughts and prayers for sure. For uh, yes. uh I'm I'm not I'm not gonna attempt to mispronounce uh Mr. Nurmagomedov's first name, but uh he's you know he's been unable to travel the Habib's fights due to visa issues, but the guy's the real deal. Really, really hope that uh he can come out of this.
1: Yeah, and what a what a great guy as well too. You know, he's um one of the most caring guys that that I that I've met. You know, uh always comes and gives me a hug and just um, always trying to show some technique and one of the strongest guys too old guy he can grab a hold of you and wrestle oh, yeah. you down He's like got he that old believe. Russian Fedor uh,
0: strength going on yeah there. it's crazy uh,
1: how strong he is I love
0: my favorite thing about the relationship between father and son there is is how much Habib's dad like holds legitimate like not fear but like influence on him like yes. remember after uh Habib had that post fight attack at UFC 229 and the uh interviews afterwards he's like yeah my dad's gonna smash me like he said matter of fact like yep my dad's gonna absolutely smash yeah
1: you know it's like it's like the dad is still like still my dad is still my dad even though even though I'm the baddest man in the world my dad is still my dad you know that's 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 awesome and that's how it should be you know absolutely
0: I am his daddy absolutely thank you (laughs) thank you Connor all right let's get into this weekend's card it's night number three in Jacksonville of these eight crazy nights for UFC. And this is a damn good fight night card. It'll go down Saturday night. This is a ESPN card, not a plus one. on the big one, and there's a heavyweight main event. Alistair Overeem, always the tough out, the veteran, against Walt Harris. And the storyline here, of course, Rashad, is that the 36-year-old Harris just might be certainly a future of this division coming off a uh, streak of three wins and a no contest in his last four But certainly with the situation of his stepdaughter having gone missing late last year and then eventually found dead, this is adding a much deeper meaning and storyline heading into this fight for Walt Harris. How do you think, Rashad, this type of uh, distraction slash pain slash, you know, get up and move is going to affect Walt Harris in this fight?
1: I think this is what Walt Harris needs. You know, whenever you have something traumatic like that happens – and uh, physicality is your outlet, that's what you need to do, you know? So I think that this is going to allow him to heal at at a deeper level. But more importantly, I think that for Walt, he's going to have to learn to harness these emotions that he's feeling going into this fight. You know, Walt is a fighter who already fights emotionally already, and then with this in the back burner, it could be even more combustible. And going against a guy like Alistair Overeem, who is a very witty, uh, witty vet who um, does a really good job of setting traps and so patient to the point where he makes guys get frustrated and in their frustration, they put themselves in bad positions. So Walt is going to have to watch that he doesn't do that and watch that he doesn't allow the, that emotional fire that he's carrying in him to run to the point where it puts him in a position to be on the end of a, you know of some powerful shots of Alistair O'Reilly.
0: The recent uh, no contest I mentioned was a 2018 split decision win for Walt Harris over Andre Olafsky that was eventually uh, overturned when he tested positive for a banned substance. But around that, Rashad, you've got three finish wins in a row here for Harris against Daniel Spitz, Sergey Spivak, and Alexei Uh At six five, the big ticket is certainly a a, a big dude, a, a tough out. What do you need to see out of him, though, Craft wise. I mean look, if he beats Alistair over him, you're about to say he's he's ready. He's you know, that that's the certain level right yeah. now where Overheem's at. That if you can beat him like Jair Rosenstruck just did, you're ready to really make that leap. What do you need to see from Walt Harris's game though, that will tell you he's ready for the bigger fish?
1: Well, I'm gonna need to see uh, some patience in his game and under and being able to, you know, dissect Alistair's game uh with without putting himself in a position where he's getting caught with those big shots and where he's where he's getting frustrated you know I think a lot of guys they they have a hard time solving a puzzle like Alistair Overeem and I think Alistair Overeem is the test to show okay this guy definitely can be somebody we push you know but I think what he's gonna have to do is because Alistair has that style where he waits around and he waits for guys to make that mistake you have to draw Alistair out you have to draw that reaction out anytime a guy is waiting for you, you have to utilize fakes and feints in order to just inundate them with activity so they don't know when you're coming. And then that's when Walt, being a fast, explosive striker who throws punches with really good range, he gets a really good range in his punches, he can starch Alice Orrim, who's already taken a, a lot of shots in his career, who does not have the ability to take big shots from a Walt Harris. Yeah,
0: over in 39 uh he does lose in this, you know, last four or five year run when he steps up to the upper elite, but he's always able to rebuild himself with mm-hmm. big wins over guys that he needs to, you know, uh, to come back and, and, and be back in this picture. So this is a very good main event. I'm really interested to see if Harris can make that leap. And obviously, with his personal story, it's hard not to cheer for him in there. Uh, I say all the time, Rashad, women's straw wits, they always deliver. Some people corrected me and said, your theory's great, but uh, that esparza waterson fight wasn't high drama at last. Saturday we'll we'll stick that in your crow because we got another great one at one one five here as Claudia Gadelha looks to try to showcase Rashad all that work she's done by moving her camp to New Jersey moving her uh, who's the trainer there the guy you used to work with Mark Henry Mark Henry that's right Uh, she's really worked hard here at trying to find a chapter two of her career uh, well rounding her game from what is a great wrestling base she was supposed to show us that in her last bout earlier this year But, uh, man, I I just can't find names. Who was her opponent that pulled out with the bad weight cut? The the, the Alexa Grasso. There you go. Didn't get a chance to show us it. But she's going to fight a resurgent Angela Hill. And Angie was a gatekeeper for many years, Rashad. But at 33, Mm -hmm. she's won three in a row. This is a damn good fight right here. How do you think these styles are going to match up?
1: Well, it's interesting, you know, you know, Claudia Gedalia, she's not the Claudia that we once knew before, and we're still getting to know her now under Mark Henry, you know, uh, you know, she has a heavy grappling dominant game, but whenever you go under Mark Henry, you start to fall in love with the stand-up aspect because he almost makes you. And that's because of the fact that the way Mark Henry teaches, it's one of the most intricate ways I've ever learned from any coach. It's a code system. And this code system is techniques and these techniques would be like one, two, three. Uh, you know, or one, two, you know, whatever the combination would be. But these combinations was whether it's one, two, three, or two, three, or whatever the case may be, they will have a name attached to them. And the name would be something that you're familiar with. So maybe like a daughter, or maybe like someone you care about. So then when he's communicating these combinations to you, he just says a name and you understand a whole concept just by him saying a name. So when you get underneath, underneath the tutelage of Mark Henry, you go to Mark Henry school and you learn all his codes and everything. But once you get in that system, it's a system that works. And, and it's a system that you fall in love with the standup. So Claudia can, she, I look for in this fight, she's going to be trying to utilize those standup skills that she lost, that she gained from Mark Henry. And I think that's where Angela Overkill is going to have her greatest opportunity to, uh, to find her, her success, because Angela has been looking phenomenal on her feet and those elbows that she's been utilizing. You know, I, find her, I follow her on Instagram and she's been working those elbows and she's been hitting, you know, she looks really, really good. And her husband is her coach, so she's getting work all the time.
0: Yeah, it's a great fight. And I, I, I follow Claudia on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, but she's <laughs> in great shape right now. Shout out to Claudia. Uh, every time you say Mark Henry, I think salmon jacket, WWE, it's just not hard. <laughs> <laughs> i Shout out to WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry right there. Uh, love this fight. Love to see if if if. Look, Angie Hills figured some things out, like we mentioned. But if Claudia gets by this and can get further up that that title picture, man, I'd see her a third time against JJ. She wants you on a bad another time, you know. She, I'd see her again against the likes of of an Andrade. There's some there's some thunder Claudia can make. She's marketable. She's fun. Um, I like when a fighter hits that sort of turning point, Rashad, you know, around 30, 31, where they say, look, I'm either going down that slope or I got to stop and figure it out. I mean, we just talked about uh, Glover Teixeira, you know, in his late 30s hitting that point where I got to figure out a way to revive, learn again. Um, it's crazy, man. I-, I love that, you know, age used to be in this game, you know, a death sentence, But but yeah. we're really seeing now so many fighters. It's not just taking – great care of your body but adding you know never being not being too proud that you can't add new tricks to the game and then uh, we're seeing a lot of guys you know be able to sustain and a lot of girls be able to sustain later in their career it's great to see you know you too Absolutely. all right where are we at with this comeback here okay i know we shelved it i know we shelved it for a while you know
1: i don't i don't know you know i feel as if like you know if, if something happens or something comes along and i'm still training um then then I, then I'll take it. I had to take a break though because I had uh, eye surgery, so I had to uh, get something cleaned up. My eye. I had cataract surgery a while ago, so I had to uh, get something moved around in there because it was while well, sparring. It moved free, so then I had to get it uh, reattached, but everything's good now. Okay,
0: Okay. I, I do a new series on Showtime Extreme called uh, Morning Combat Strike Force Classics with the great Scott Coker, in which we look back on big-time fights over history. Maybe I'll get on the horn and be like, hey, hey, put, hey you,
1: put a, put a Here, word on for your boy. Yeah, here's a
0: great <laughs> idea for a fight, Scott, okay? In Bellator, <laughs> it's called Machita. Sugar Rashad, part two, all right? It's called Receipt Season Coming, all right? <laughs> That's what it's called, okay?
1: I'll call that way. Hey, why do I need a manager? I got BC. That's what I'm talking
0: about. I'll you take a step back. All right. Hey, here's the fight I want to see most Saturday night. I think it's going to be your fight of the night. Dan Ige, rising featherweight, Hawaiian, all action. He has a nice uh, striking system there in terms of volume that he's putting out. But he's fighting the master of violence, Edson Barbosa here. Rashad, how – Concerning is a wrong wrong word, but Barbosa's thirty five, yeah. lost four of six, and he's moving down in weight. You've moved down in weight late in your career to try to find new life at middleweight. Mm-hmm. Is this should this be looked at as a desperate move, for Edson Barbosa here entering this fight?
1: Um, you know it, that that remains to be seen. You know I, I have to still look at where he's coming from, you know, and and really uh, talk to him and just kind of see where where his mindset is. But typically speaking, yeah, that that is, you know, that that is an indication where he's just kind of finding, you know, not, not, he's, he's running into a little bit of uncertainty, you know? And, um, as, as you get older, the last thing you want to do is cut weight. If your body's not naturally going that way, you know what I'm saying? Because if you're cutting weight, when you're, when you shouldn't be, then you're, you're putting a lot of, stress on a body that's already taken a lot you know so you want to move up but if you're if you're losing you know size and you're losing stuff like that then then getting to a proper weight class could be better for you but at the same time um edson edson is is a fighter who was to me was 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 an almost that that guy you know he was he's he's been in there with the best and he's definitely one of the best but he was just never quite Never at that level, you know, and um, I think he's still hoping and trying to reach that. And maybe that's what he's thinking. Dropping out to his weight class would be a push to try to get him into that trajectory. But nevertheless, he does have an outstanding skill set that that gives him a lot of pause for any fighter and a big challenge for fighters, especially a guy like Dan Ige, who's now stepping up to the upper echelon and fighting guys like Edson Barbosa. Yeah. You know, Dan Ige has a wrestling game, that grappling game that he's so proud of because he's um been under the tutelage of of the you know the, the Habib Magomedovs and, and the Dagestanian fighters cuz he's done a few camps with them so he's got that in his mindset and it's going to be interesting to see if he can implement that that style because he calls himself uh what he has he has a nickname it's like Habib something Ige or something like that he has <laughs> he has a nickname like that so it's yeah, really I like the pace
0: that Ige can put out there. Um, the, you know, in defense of Barbosa, he only loses to the super elites. By the way, I was at ATT with our guy, Brandon Wise of CBS Sports, one time interviewing uh, Dos Santos, and I just heard this violent wap, wh- wap, wap, whap wap, 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 wap. I'm like, whoa, whoa, is somebody shooting? What is, what they? Oh, they shoot and made you look. It's <laughs> Barbosa doing like spinning back kicks and stuff. I mean, this guy is just, it's scary in person to see a guy that, that, uh, that vicious. Obviously, uh, we want to see if he can shed this weight uh, easily and still look strong. Uh, Ige's won five in a row, but but you know, fresh off that split decision win over Mursad Septic Tank. But this is a whole new level of, of opponent here. So, uh, can Eke can Ige use wrestling volume and and avoid the big strike? Because this is this is this is a, a different type of finisher he's going against.
1: It's going to be tough, and I say that because Edson Barbosa, as much as he's a stand-up fighter, he's actually pretty proficient in stopping takedowns, and he he has the ability to grapple himself. You know, I trained alongside him in Jersey, and I was actually really surprised at the ability that he had with grappling and on the ground himself. It's just like one of those things that, you know, you get used to fighting a certain kind of way and you never utilize all your skills, and I think that's the case with Edson Barbosa. He has so many tools in his case that he still has not – brought out in a fight Um, and maybe dropping down to a smaller weight class will allow him to do that. But with Dan Ige, he's going to have to make this fight a fight, uh, a war of attrition. You know, he's going to have to make it a ugly fight where he causes Edson Barbosa to fight from that place and and come out of his technical style. And I think that's the only way he's going to be able to beat a guy like Edson Barbosa, who's very strong and who's very uh, explosive with his striking ability.
0: I believe Dan Ige is a part of the Alliance MMA, uh, or no, not not Alliance no. MMA. The
1: uh, the Ali extended.
0: Yeah, back. yeah, he or, is. He, oh, he he's
1: he's actually he's actually uh ali's assistant so he's really? he's like a manager yeah
0: oh that's right i forgot ega has got this like promotional thing he's going after right yeah
1: he's like or not a, promotional he
0: management yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's like, like a yeah. manager he's, he's got the entrepreneurship going on there so shout yeah. out that's called what is it called dominance mma that's what's Dominance called. M&A, mma yeah it's stable getting bigger there uh anytime you look at a fight card and you see eric anders your boy yeah, uh boy. there's gonna be some violence involved he's going in there against Christoph jotko I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Hey, Jotko. Uh, Jotko. Jotko, uh, they're gonna bang, Rashad. They're gonna bang. Uh, you you got Anders trying to get three in a row. I always forget he was a linebacker with Alabama, yeah. dude. Like that's 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 big time athleticism right there. That, that's 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 the elite. What the would happen if they handed off to prime Rashad Evans at halfback <laughs> and Eric Anders was coming up the
1: middle? I'll shake his I'll shake his drawers off. That's what would happen. I, I don't like to talk trash, but that's what I would do. You'd hit the circle button and then just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> yeah. hey, Eric Anders, man, you know uh, I, I really like this dude. You know, um, and and I like him because you know he he's one of those fighters. You can see his his ability and his skill, but I like his 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 nature about himself. You know, he was a fighter who's he ran into a tough time and was and was just honest and open about how he was going into the fights. Like he was like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm freezing. I'm having a hard time mentally out there. And you don't see a lot of fighters who, who volunteer or tells that information how they struggle mentally. And he's done things uh, on a mental level to make sure he's being, getting stronger. And you can see the results in his last th- three fights. You know, he's seemed to really figure it out. And, um, he's got a tough t- uh, fight with Jaco who flies under the radar, but has, uh, He's sneaky good. You know, Jocko's sneaky good. He has some power, and he has some techniques that can give uh, Eric Anderson pause. So uh, for Anders, he's going to have to uh, utilize that, that powerful game, you know, utilize those big explosive takedowns coupled with that heavy ground and pound, and then he can hand it, get it back up to his feet and land some big shots.
0: I think this card is sneaky good because this main card opener, this featherweight bout, um, I'm woke to Song Yudong. This 22-year-old yeah. from China, uh, Mr. Faber's boy, over there at uh, Team Alpha Male, Rashad, he's seven zero and one in his last eight, and that majority draw against Cody Stammon last fight kind of yeah. really only happened because they took a point away for an illegal knee early. Um, Song Yudong's on a nice little run here. It looks like it, it looks like we got something there, so to speak. But what? what the, how tough of a challenge is Marlon Vera?
1: Well, I mean, it, it's it's a big challenge, you know. Uh, Vera is one. Of the, that that guy is. is um, he's a dog in there, and you know, whenever he's in there, is gonna be. A, it's gonna be a scrap, you know. So he's gonna have to to bring that game. He's gonna have to keep that mind strong. And BC starting off the night, you know, you have a lot of pressure. Just that you want to have momentum go your way and especially an empty arena so uh it's it's going to be one of those fights where both of these fighters are coming here to make a statement and it's going to be explosive explosions right out the gate right. oh
0: yeah five wins in a row for vera song dong brings it this is going to be a fun night uh on that prelim card you got a bunch of names we like matt brown coming back against miguel baeza Darren, the Damage Elkins is going to be in the second fight. You know there's going to be bloodshed when that guy shows up. Uh, Good-looking card here. By the way, we didn't mention it, but uh, tough to see Marvin Vittori's opportunity from Wednesday night fall apart at the last minute when Carl Roberson was unable to complete that weight cut down to middleweight, and then you saw that video. Did you see that in which Vittori went nuts in the hotel lobby and tried to attack Roberson after they talked some trash? When you consider, Rashad, that you know you put a lot of money into these camps he had that USADA hiccup that really wasn't his fault that kept him out. He's had to be inactive. Fights have fallen through. Um, can you understand the, 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 the passion that Vittori showed there when uh, you're trying to get paid? You're trying to improve your standing, and others are kind of getting in your
1: way. Yeah, I mean, and, and especially right now. you know, Right now, where we are at as a world, um, and, and everybody, you know, financial situation may not be looking the best, uh, you want to get paid. And, you know, to have something like that happen when when we're competing under under these the, the situation it's a uh, it's it's even more of a stick in the spine, you know, and, and, you know, it's hard to have a camp in these, you know, with the situation as it is right now and to be able to put the camp together and have people allocate their time is is has to be more of a financial burden as well, too, if you're putting a camp together. So. You got to, you know, he's definitely came out of money in a lot of areas. So it, it's just when you bleed that much financially and you don't get the bleed in the cage, yeah. it's frustrating.
0: It is. And, and you know, we've talked about the, maybe the fighter disparity in terms of fighter pay. When you finally reach a certain level, people stop complaining because you're getting paid. But when you're climbing that ladder and you're getting 20 and 20, and then you don't get an opportunity to fight, it's I rough heard. for shot. It's a rough game. Right. I mean, you know, there were, there were rumors that that last pay-per-view on last Saturday night, great card UFC 249, we loved it. May have done 700,000 buys on ESPN Plus. You know how many millions of that yet the, the total gate payout on paper was like 3 million. That's like you know, 12% or something like that if the math is right. Um, I know fighters get stuff more behind the scenes bonuses that we don't know about, but uh, you know, you see a guy getting that blown up with uh, passion and, and anger. Uh, I, I hope there's a future that that these guys get paid more because this is such a freaking brutal sport Rashad I mean it's so damn brutal and we're tuning in at home and our quarantine go give him more fights just bleed baby face the pain <laughs> and I'm calling up Calvin Cater three days later after a win and he's like hello you know I, I, <laughs> yeah I feel, for, I feel for him
1: yeah I mean I think I think our day will come you know I think the day of the fighters will come I think is right now um you know when you look at all the great sports you know like you know, uh, basketball, football, and all these, and and all these other big three sports that have went through this period, this infancy period where they, you know, had to go through this in order to establish the rights that the players and everything have. And UFC, you know, we're still going through that as fighters. And, you know, eventually one day the fighters will come together and there'll be some kind of union. And, uh, you know, who knows if that would make things better, but, you know, it seems like it would be a good idea.
0: Yeah, it would need you'd need though a prime fighter with a ton of leverage who would be willing to like sacrifice his own slice of the pie to try to push for everyone else. And I think that the system is set up now like I was mentioning where you know once you get there, so to speak quote unquote get there, you're like I ain't giving this up, man. <laughs> I, I I bled for years for this, but uh you know it would well, take I, a it would take I a
1: I don't even think it would take a guy. I would think it would take managers coming together managers coming together to speak to their fighters and getting their fighters to see that it's the way to go, the way to do it, you know, but I think the reason why it hasn't happened is because managers are so uh, adversarial for each other because they're competing for fighters that they have not decided to come together and say, Hey, we got a common problem and we all can get more money if we all came together and decided to do this. But Very
0: similar to in boxing when people are like, why can't we get the great fights like UFC? Well, it's because all the promoters are like, uh, I can keep my little slice of the pie guaranteed right. here if I don't risk it against somebody. Uh, whatever. All right. Hey, great show again. with sugar Rashad Evans. Uh, it's UFC week. It's eight crazy nights. And this is fun, man. I could do more of these, uh, weeknight cards, breaking down the next morning preview in the next one. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, sugar Rashad, you got anything to say to the people on the way out? No,
1: nah, no. Thank you. People. I appreciate you. And, uh, Keep watching these MMA fights. Enjoy these fights. Two words.
2: We out. We out.